You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. He's got it! Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Greg Cupney, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Curra. It's Joe Pritchard of Rouge, White, and Blue. And Joe, from your neck of the woods, you guys do these crazy lottery jackpots. And I wanted to bring this up. Just today, the the winners of the $1.34 billion lottery (laughs) have come forward to claim their prize. If you won that kind of cash, what's the first thing you do? Well, which CFL team is for sale? I was going to say, I, I might look at the Argos. <laughs> With that kind of cash, and I know there's the taxes in the States, I think we could afford to build a stadium in Halifax. Yeah, that too. With probably a lot of cash left over. <laughs> yeah, at least like a mid, like like how Empire, how they had the, the um, temporary Empire oh, when yeah. BC was built. Oh, yeah. BC Place was rebuilt, yeah. Yeah. You can make that work. Yeah, and I don't know if we're savvy enough businessmen to make it last for uh, the rest of our lives, but we would try. <laughs> uh, we, I, I know I would. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in a day, you're calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online and anytime and on any device, making it easier for them and for you. To learn more and to explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. We are on to another week of CFL football. It is week 16 on by this week, Edmonton, Saskatchewan, and Winnipeg. I think... Uh, two out of the three teams last week were looking ahead to the bye, and it showed on the field. <laughs> Edmonton, they're the ones that actually, well, you know what? They struggled too, just Saskatchewan was worse. <laughs> Do you see any changes happening in Saskatchewan? I mean, when a team's struggling, I mean, the good thing about the buy is that you can reset, but the bad thing about the buy is that you get to stew on that bad performance for an entire week. At this point, I don't think, I think they are what they are, and you can't, I don't think you can fire anyone. You can't fire an OC with the coach's cap. Who's going to replace him? And how do you install in a brand new offense at this point of the season? I think. They are what they are, and fans, they can be mad, but kind of got to live with it at this point. At this point, when you're past Labor Day, you're basically in it for the long haul. You might be looking at a pickup of an NFL cut, two or three even, but you're not going to be re- overhauling everything you you stood for for the entire season and built and worked for. 
you're not going to make that change uh, unless there's a really, really, really good reason for it. I will say that uh, Drew Desjardins, the former offensive lineman for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, was just released from the practice roster in New Orleans. So if you're talking about an NFL cut that might garner some attention in Canada, I know that Saskatchewan's offensive line is struggling, but they're also up against the salary cap. So I don't know if they'd be able to afford to bring him in, but maybe O'Day can work something out or maybe some other team could work something out because you know as a bomber fan he could be a valuable asset to any offensive line oh of course uh and, but the first question you have to ask is is drew desjardins looking to come back to canada of course right off of a cut off of a practice roster or is he going to wait for a few weeks even a month to see if there's any other suitors for a service or Maybe he waits until the off season and sees mm-hmm. what the best situation would be for him. So it, that's the first thing I always think of when I see a former CFL or cut in the NFL is what's his next step? What does he want to do before I start even thinking about what team does he fit best with? Week 16 starts in Montreal, where the Alouettes are home to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. It's Oktoberfest at the stadium, so we'll be drinking out of boots and eating pretzels and a bratwurst, which sounds like a good Friday night at the football stadium to me. Uh, these that two sounds teams... like any Friday night in Wisconsin. Actually, there. actually yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a great Friday night anywhere. Uh, these two teams have split the season series so far, with Hamilton winning 24 Four seventeen in July, and the Owls narrowly winning last month, 29-28, and the betting line is about as close as you can get. The Owls are favored by two and a half points. The over-under set at 52 here, but Joe, uh, it's amazing how fast things can change. After Hamilton's performance against Winnipeg, there seems to be a whole new feeling around the organization. And dare I say, maybe it brings some expectation going into this week as well. We've been waiting to see that Hamilton team all season. Oh, yeah. We thought we thought that's what we were going to get early on in the season. They lost early on. They, they lost that big second half lead to Calgary, and it, things just snowballed from there and got worse and worse and worse. That's the first week that I can remember that they played up to their full potential. Uh, my question is now, is that sustainable? Did they finally find what they had, or did they just happen to catch lightning in a bottle at the best possible time? Now, I know they've played one more game than Montreal, but if they win this game, they win the season series with them, and remarkably, they're in a position to host the Eastern semifinal, which (laughs) just a short time ago, that seemed almost impossible. So it is a massive game for both of these teams, and the Ticats are going to be coming into this week Losing one of their leaders on the defense, Dylan Wynn has been ruled out with a knee injury. That being said, their defensive tackle depth might be the best in the CFL. Ted Laurent can step right in and play alongside Micah Johnson. So that will be good for them on the D-line. Not the biggest drop-off there. Uh, Ted Laurent comes with a Canadian passport as well. So that does benefit the Ticats in that way. As for Montreal, they have signed wide receiver Mike Jones to the practice roster. And one of the most polarizing players, I think, 
think that we've seen in the past decade in the CFL. The Dirty Bird, Kyrie Z. Bear, will retire as a member of the Alouettes, signing a one-day contract with the team. I feel like Garrett Marino has taken, you know, some of the heat off of Ebert as of late, but how soon we forget he wasn't a popular guy with CFL fans just a short time ago, Joe. No, I mean, he was never a favorite unless he was on your team. And then you were, then you were a little bit more okay with it. Uh, But he did have the tendency to cross the line from time to time, but it, and, and this is a little bit further back in my CFL memories go where I wasn't as be able to watch as consistently as I am now, but I don't remember it being a consistent thing. It was, it would show up from time to time. It wasn't who he was in totality. I don't like to bring up the what about ism with Simone Lawrence and stuff, but I would kind of compare them that way, kind of playing always on that edge of physical football, which yeah, you, you do like to see from your linebackers at least, um, he missed out winning a, winning a great cup. He started his career with the Ottawa Renegades, uh, played with the Bombers, played with Hamilton, and then played with Montreal 2012 through 2017 before wrapping up with Ottawa in 2018. We talk about Hamilton trying to get some consistency going here, but so does Montreal. Uh, the last time these two teams played, uh, Trevor Harris did throw for 382 yards and three touchdowns. So it was a big performance for him. But over the last few weeks, he's just been kind of kind of average, I would say, from Trevor Harris. And that's what you've been seeing a lot of uh, with Trevor Harris. Is he'd have a one good week and then two or three weeks of just being there. Usually he's not doing anything to lose you the football game, but he's not doing a whole lot to win you the football games lately either. Uh, so really what this game's going to come down to, I think, is who makes the fewest mistakes. And, and that seems like I can say that for any CFL game this year. Yeah, that, that that's, a, that's a very good point. And early in the season, Dane Evans was making a lot of mistakes. And last week, the five touchdowns and no interceptions vastly improved his touchdown-to-interception ratio. But that happens with Trevor Harris as well. So they could be sort of similar quarterbacks in, in that vein. Anyway, um, I want to highlight Tim White of the Ticats, who had two touchdowns last week. He leads the CFL with 108 targets. And with a good Dane Evans, maybe he has another monster game. He had two touchdowns last week, and his last game against Montreal, 39 fantasy points. Anytime you get that on your roster, you're laughing. Yes, and anytime you're facing that head-to-head, you're not. Yeah. I can tell you that by personal experience. <laughs> the CFL Podcast Fantasy League continues this week as we are winding down. You've got Andrew of the Turf District. You are 8-6 and six this season. How are you feeling? There's been, oh, it's those, those heartbreaking close losses that... They weigh on me. <laughs> I, I've had I've had more than my share of them this year. I feel like I'm what second, third, fourth in total points, and wow. sitting in like sixth overall, which was is a nice step up from what I was two weeks ago. I was 
dead even 500 in like first place and points. So <laughs> I've actually benefited from lower scores the past couple of weeks. So maybe I'll try that this week again. See how that works. I am up against the, the Podski Wee Wee fellas. I believe Mike Graham is managing that roster and uh, Brazilian Ty will be taking on Dalton from Rouge Radio. I, I want to see if the Thai Cats are going to be able to run the ball. They, they actually had some success doing that against Winnipeg last week, and it wasn't with Don Jackson. It was from Wes Hills, who we'll see who's going to be on the roster this week. I mean, 2500 bucks. Running back seems to be kind of like the wild card every week. You don't really know what's going to happen at running back, but they had some success there, especially on that final drive where they ate over seven minutes off the clock against the Bombers. If Wes Hills is in there again and he's going to work in tandem with Sean Thomas Erlington, I, I think they need to keep going with that. I would like to see the Ticats have more balance on the offense. I know there was on Twitter somewhere saying, is this Tommy Condell actually calling the plays? Well, <laughs> if they're doing that again, I think they'll have success in Montreal. Yeah, if they, if they can get anything, if they could take anything from last week and bring it to Montreal, they'll be in good shape. They were firing on all cylinders. I'd, like like I said, this that was the best game I've seen them play in a long time. And as for the running game in Montreal, I would say that the William Standback watch is on. Uh, I, I've seen that they're hoping that he'll be returning October 1st, which is next Saturday against Edmonton. So not quite ready to go this week. But as the weather cools down, uh, adding Standback to your lineup this point of the season, that will be big for the Montreal Alouettes. Now, if we're looking at the injury report for so far this week, already mentioned that Dylan Wynn has been ruled out. Uh, Lamar Durant is actually doubtful with a ankle injury right now. Tunde Adelike is questionable, the Canadian defensive back. Um, he's got a knee issue, so that would be massive with uh, Ted Laurent able to step in and uh, be the starting uh, defensive tackle there. And if you look at Montreal, uh, Marc-Antoine Decroix is going to be out this week. They say it's not football-related, but there you go with the injury situations for the Ticats and the Owls. We do have a Saturday doubleheader. The Ottawa Red Blacks are home to the Toronto Argonauts, where the Argos are two-and-a-half-point favorites, and the over-under set at 46-and-a-half. Now, this season, also a split. 23-13 Ottawa win back in July and a 24-19 Toronto win just a couple weeks ago. These two teams had the bye. Now they're playing again in Ottawa. I, the way things have gone, I bet you Ottawa wishes that this one was in Toronto because... <laughs> or anywhere but Ottawa. Exactly. The home struggles for that team have been remarkable. And I remember watching that game against Toronto, and they got off to such a poor start, and it was not what we've come to see so far this season from Nick Arbuckle. Once they got him into the lineup, Arbuckle's played great, other than that first half against Toronto at TD Place. They need to get off to a better start. That 
is definitely uh, has to be a point of focus for the Red Blacks because if the game was just, I don't know, five or six minutes longer, they maybe would have been able to come back against the Argos. They can't afford to give themselves a hole to dig out of because the Argos defense, it's actually quite strong, Joe. Yes, and they've been consistently having struggles in the first half over yeah. and over again over the past month or a month to six weeks. Uh, the game against Calgary in Ottawa, they didn't get rolling at all, to be fair, but in the fourth quarter, they were actually starting to move the ball. The first two and a half to three quarters, there was nothing happening with that offense, and they and they can't afford to take even a quarter off, and when they're taking three quarters off, it, that tells you how the game's going to end right there. It is desperation time again for the Red Blacks. They're three and nine, last in the East Division, <laughs> kind of like Edmonton. Actually, almost exactly the same as Edmonton. Both teams five hundred on the road and winless at home. So, and they traded <laughs> and they traded away victories yeah, with each other. Exactly. So if there was ever a time to win a home game. This is it. I, I would say that Ryder fans probably uh, cheering for Toronto <laughs> in this one. And that's another situation where a few weeks ago, it looked like the Riders were a lock for the crossover spot. Now it really doesn't seem like that. If the Ticats beat Montreal, and then in a couple of weeks, the Ticats are playing the Riders, which I mean, could decide third, third place in the Eastern Division, as wild as that sounds. But the Red Blacks, uh, we're happy to see Jeremiah Mazzoli at practice on Wednesday. He was just helping out, just to be clear, he's not going to be on the field. But I want to see if they're able to get Devontae Dedman more involved in the offense. Since his return to the CFL, teams have gone out of their way to make sure they're doing their best to make sure that he's not going to hurt them on special teams anyway. No, now it's time to have a creative set of play calls for him. If it goes the way, if it goes the way that I've seen Paul Lapolis use players of his, of his caliber though, and his skill set, you're going to see a jet sweep in the first series of drives, a couple of long balls, and then you, and then they'll disappear. Uh, that I'm, that was just literally describing how Lucky Whitehead was used in 2019. So a player of that caliber, that speed, hasn't exactly flourished in what Paul Lopolis' offense is. So it'll be interesting to see if they find a way to free him up and get him into space with the ball. Yeah, that's uh, that that would be a big asset to that Ottawa offense. And I'll say, as of late. I've become a, their, a fan of their running back, Devontae Williams. Hey, he's only 25 years old, but their last game against Toronto, he had 14 carries, 80 yards on the ground. The week before, 15 carries against Montreal, 12 carries against Edmonton. So they're running the ball more and more, and he's getting opportunities. And I will say against Toronto, he also had six catches. So if they're going to keep him involved, giving him – 20 touches a game, that'll be an asset to your fantasy roster. And I think it'll also be an asset just uh, for the Red Blacks in general to have some balance there. Uh, Jalen Acklin was the first player in the CFL to reach 1,000 yards receiving. And he's also, I think, had a pretty good uh, chemistry with Darvin Adams, who has 
been sort of the guy that I feel like he has looked towards in uh, in the red zone, trying to finish drives here and there. Uh, Darvin Adams, uh, we'll see if they can get him more involved. He had four targets last week, but seven targets in the two games uh, before last week's game. So maybe he'll be an option for Ottawa in this one. Toronto Argonauts, uh, I, I like A.J. Olette as a player. But when I look at the yards per carry, they have not been able to run the ball since losing Andrew Harris. Like, he's around three yards a carry over the last few games, but also nine catches in the last two games as well. But I'm just a fan of A.J. Olette as a player. He runs hard, and with that hair flying in the wind, it doesn't get much better than that. (laughs) No, it'll be interesting to see knowing that they've had the struggles over the past few weeks running the ball, what Ryan did maybe will do to open up that running game. Yeah, He's shown that he's got the ability to be creative in his play calling and and change what you were expecting to see and give you something else. So uh, I'd love to uh, – I'm looking forward to this one to see a couple of different things, and this is one of them. How do they get that running game going? Because they're going to need it in November. Yeah, last year – I felt like the Argos were way more of a running team. Uh, they had the tandem there, including uh, DJ Foster there, and they did have Olette as well. And those two guys were able to have pretty big games for the Argos, but they just hasn't hasn't really translated so far this season. They will get the fullback, Declan Cross, back on the roster this Saturday, it does look like. And uh, where are you at with McLeod Bethel-Thompson? He's had six of his 16 touchdown passes in his last three games. He's through for over 700 yards combined in the two games against Ottawa this season. He gets a bit of a bad rap, but I think if you look at the numbers, he's probably better than than fans give him credit for. Yeah, the numbers are there. They won last year. They got to the East Final, uh, and Toronto hadn't been – in over 500 team for like for a decade, I want to say before that, before last year. And there they were, they were there. They had trouble in the second half of the East final. Otherwise we're talking about a great cup appearance, most likely. And then this year they're the team to beat out in the East. They haven't blown anybody away. They haven't shot, you know, they're, they're not shocking the world by, by racing to the top, but at the same time, they have a comfortable lead out east. So he's doing what he he's doing enough to help them win. And right now, that's all they need. Yeah. And and last week or the last game against Ottawa, Curly Gittens Jr. was an absolute monster. He had 12 targets, caught eight of them for 161 yards and a touchdown. I, if you if you get half of that this week on your fantasy roster, you're happy. But he was an absolute beast. Uh, I, I got this stat from Mike Hogan, who's a, a great follow on Twitter, especially if you're you're an Argos fan. Uh, this is the fourth time this year they've played a team back to back. They went two and zero versus Sask, one and one versus Hamilton, and then two and zero versus. Hamilton. So they are six and one so far in back to back situations. And I think that actually, and I've given 
Ryan Dinwiddie a hard time. Those back-to-backs, I think, has a lot to do with coaching because you can't just do the exact same week you did or the same thing you did the week before. And they had to be switching it up a lot considering how often they played Hamilton this season. Which reaches back to my point that I made a little bit earlier is that Ryan Dinwiddie's shown that he can come back and make a change in his play calling to keep the team running and successful. Uh, Dinwiddie's failures as a coach are usually the public ones that are, that feel slightly embarrassing as they're happening. And you're you know, so. either a bad challenge or mismanaging the clock here and there things that us as fans think we can do better than coaches. Yeah. Can do. <laughs> but what we can't do is put together game plans week after week after week and keep the team going. And Dinwiddie's come into Toronto a team that hadn't been successful. They've won great. They won a couple of great cups last decade, but as 500 teams and, and snuck in there and made it ha- and made it happen when it counted. But he took the, he took that organization and has gotten them moving in the right direction. So there's a, I, I know that every once in a while he'll have you'll be sitting there going, "What is he doing?" But then when you look back at the body of work, it's clear that he that he does know what he's doing as a whole. The last uh, few weeks, especially the last couple against Hamilton, I feel like they've really found a way uh, to get Brandon Banks more involved. He he did have six catches last week against Ottawa, or last game against Ottawa. And early in the season, man, it looked like that wasn't going to work. Like they were fighting each other on the sidelines. (laughs) Credit to the Argos for being able to get past that situation and whatever was going on on the sideline and start to get Brandon Banks more involved. We know he's not not the same MOP Brandon Banks, but still, if you're able to get him into space, he can be a real asset to any offense, I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's still got he's still got something left in the tank. He's not the same player that we've come to know and be accustomed to over the past decade, but he's still got enough to be a, to be a contributor. And it looks like they're finally finding a way to make that work. If you do look at the injury report for these two teams, uh, Sherrod Baltimore has not practiced this week. He's got the hamstring issue, uh, and Randy Richards, the offensive lineman, hasn't practiced this week either. If we look at uh, Toronto, uh, Enoch Mwamba didn't practice Tuesday, was limited on Wednesday, so that will be one to watch, especially if you're uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks and you want to run the ball because Mwamba still this year playing at a high level at linebacker for the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, But other than that, the Argos look like they've been able to get healthy a little bit. Shane Ray was banged up. He's been practicing in full, and I know Peter Nicastro hasn't been practicing on the offensive line uh, with the knee issue. And their punter, John Haggerty, he hasn't practiced. They've said that it's not the biggest issue, but we'll see what happens on that front come Saturday. But I think, again, the heavyweight battle this week will be the BC Lions home to the Calgary Stampeders. The Lions are one-point favorites. The over-under set at 55, but it's tough to ignore what happened after the game last week. And Cameron Judge has been suspended for this game. 
after punching Lucky Whitehead, I guess it was on the field after the game. He didn't like the trash talk that Lucky Whitehead was dishing out, and uh, he took matters into his own hands, and he's going to miss this game. That's a big loss for the Stampeders defense, a Canadian in the linebacking core that can force turnovers and be fast to the ball. That, that guy can make some plays. So the Stampeder defense is going to miss him there. Now, the Lions have already won the season series, but they're still going to want to build off of Vernon Adams' performance last week. He made his debut as the Lions' starting quarterback and started kind of slow. There were times where he was maybe trying to do a little too much, but I think we've seen that from Vernon Adams in his career up to this point. So the Lions are going to want to continue building uh, on his chemistry with the Lions receivers and with all the talent that he's able to throw to, I think they're going to want to put a win on the field and put an exclamation mark on the Stampeders this season and win in front of that home crowd. But I know Winnipeg did it to Calgary, beating a team three times in a season. That's, that's difficult to do. Yeah, and Calgary's had no trouble with the rest of the league, but Winnipeg yeah. and BC show up, and not so much. Uh, even if BC, even if BC doesn't win this week, as long as as long as Vernon Adams is looking like he's going to be able to be a contributor and be able to make that offense go, they had a couple weeks there where there was nothing happening, and yeah. the great season they had built looked like it was in jeopardy. It looks like they're back on a stable ground. Looks like they've got a chance to keep moving forward and maybe even start knocking on the door first place if they can keep, if they can keep keep this up because they do have Winnipeg twice in October, so. That's not a that's not a done deal there for sure. Uh, a win definitely yeah. helps helps boost that confidence. But e- even a, even a close loss, something that gives Adams more time to gel with that talented receiving core and show that he can keep that offense productive. I mean, that would have to be a huge morale boost out west. It does seem unlikely that Winnipeg would lose to BC. Well, they, they could lose to BC. I mean, they lost to Hamilton and to Montreal. It does seem unlikely that they would lose. What would they need to lose? Like 12-2, and two, three of their last four, and, win, and BC to win out to finish first in the West? Something like that. Uh, or maybe they would only have to win five of six of their remaining games. Yeah, so it BC, is, BC is 9-3. and three. Yeah. They, well, that's... It's, they're only one one behind in the loss column when you look at it that way. It could happen. It could. I mean, BC would have to go on a nice heater to end the season again, but that's not that's not completely out of the realm of possibility. Because maybe the Riders could show up to Winnipeg and catch them on their back foot if the Bombers party too hard during the bye week or something like that. But it could happen. So the Lions still do have something to get out there and uh, play for. I I found this was a remarkable stat. Currently, there are two starting quarterbacks in the CFL that have a winning record against the Stampeders. One of them is Zach Kolaris, and the other one, Vernon Adams Jr., who is uh, 4-2 in his uh, career against Calgary. So he does have uh, success against the Stampeders 
in his career. On the defensive line, the Lions have released Tim Bonner uh, from Farhan Lauji at TSN. He said that Bonner wasn't happy being removed from the active roster. The Lions did have a make a ratio change when Nathan Rourke went down, so that was a, a part of the change. And Woody Barron is now healthy, and he has a chance to be activated on Saturday in this one. As for Calgary, I want to see if they're going to be able to get Kadeem carry the ball more. Uh, he had over six yards of carry last week, but it felt like he wasn't a focus of the offense. And Jake Mayer, he was able to hit the Lions with some big explosive plays, but it wasn't consistent enough to to win the game for the Stampeders. And uh, Malik Henry... I guess he's not hurt. He's dealing with an illness and hasn't been able to practice this week. So we'll see what he'll be like come Saturday. If he's not 100%, uh, he, Jake Mayer has been really looking at Reggie Bagleton, and he's been relying on the veteran receiver. Uh, he hasn't had less than six targets in a game since week five. <laughs> and I think he's had double-digit targets here and there. So Reggie Bagleton, the veteran, has been a receiver to rely on for Jake Mayer. But I want to—I still think that they need a number three target in the Stampeder offense. Uh, once in a while, teams seem to forget about uh, a Jalen Philpott or Luther Hakuna Vanu, and they get hit with a touchdown in the fourth quarter or something like that. But if Malik Henry's not able to go, who's going to be that other receiver going to step up in the Calgary offense? It's a good question. It'd be a heck of an opportunity for Kamar Jordan to turn a season around that I'm sure he wasn't expecting to have go as poorly as it has. Yeah, and now he's on the sixth game. So, oh, yeah. Well, that shows you. That shows you. Uh, <laughs> He's he's been he's been like, but he has had a yeah. rough season for him, which is pretty pretty disappointing. Um, I wasn't expecting that from him. I think Odom's Dukes is the receiver that came onto the roster in his absence, and maybe he's a guy that Mayor starts to look towards as well. But uh, I think it needs to be a Kadeem Carey game. Um, yeah, yeah, because they've had a lot of shuffling in their bottom of their receiving core the past few weeks, haven't they? Yeah, because Sean Bain was in there for a bit, and uh, yeah, yeah, um, and Kerry, he, and maybe he's been a little bit banged up here and there too. He was limited on Tuesday with a calf issue. Uh, did practice in full on Wednesday, and the Stamps they have a a stable of running backs that they can look to like a Peyton Logan and a Diedrich Mills as well, who have all made big plays this season. But maybe they were trying to target the BC secondary, who last week were without Delvin Bro and without TJ Lee. This week, TJ Lee was uh, limited in practice so far with the hamstring issue. And Suk Chung on the offensive line, Limited again, uh, the right guard position was filled by Andrew Pearson last week against the Stampeders, and they filled in fine. They did completely fine on the offensive line against the Stampeders and that, I think, pretty underrated defensive line. I, I don't think that the Stamps' D-line really gets enough recognition. I mean, Sean Lemon, 
this point in his career, double-digit sacks again. One of the best pass rushers of the last decade in the CFL. No, and they always seem to find a way to turn guys loose. Uh, They're always putting on pressure, but we're not sitting here rattling off their names going, he's an all-star, he's an all-star, he's an all-star. They always seem to find a way to have uh, a good pass rush and... There's always there's always the lemons, the hues that we talk about, yeah. but the rest of the line doesn't get talked about nearly as much as they should be. And uh, we'll see this week. Last week, the Lions, like, how did you feel about them? They just they looked like they had confidence. They looked like a completely different team than we've seen the couple weeks before. Uh, now that Vernon Adams is getting comfortable in that offense. It seemed like it affected everyone on both sides of the ball. Yeah, about the only thing we that they can't have this week is just a complete implosion on offense. As long as as long as they're capably moving the ball, even if they don't score enough points to win, as long as they can keep their confidence up that they can that they can do it, that's gonna do nothing but help them going forward into October and the playoff season. Again, uh, the BC Lions, though, uh, they need to uh, – I'm seeing that they lead the CFL in net punting average, which is actually surprising to me. The, the talk has been BC's special teams may be the, the point where they're being held back a little bit. But they are giving up the most kickoff return yards uh, by on average – um, they're seventh in punt return average, seventh in kickoff return average, and uh, yeah, they're down there seventh in opponent punt returns as well. So they they need to have better returns, and they need to limit returns coming back at them. And Peyton Logan will be a guy to watch. Maybe he'll uh, well, they won't want him to do some damage at BC Place on Saturday. And a, a final note on that game last week, uh, Brian Burnham's had 10 targets. Brian Burnham, uh, 10 targets, 7 catches, 100 yards for the Lions. And Dominic Rimes, 5 catches, 91 yards. So I think Vernon Adams Jr. is figuring out he's got some dynamite receivers to throw to. Uh, and Burnham might be the guy that he's relying on, which, you know, not a bad receiver to rely on. No, I think I think I'd feel pretty comfortable throwing to him. Now, mind you, if I threw the ball, he'd probably have to come way back to come catch it. But <laughs> at least I'd have confidence that somebody would. Hey, he would make us look like all-star quarterbacks. I agree. <laughs> uh, let's talk about our fantasy lineups at this point of the week. What is your lineup looking like? So I'm taking I'm taking uh, a shot with Vernon Adams. What, for the price and for what he showed me last week, I'll, I'll take that gamble any day of the week. Uh, going Devontae Williams and Wes Hills, although I've got a backup plan in case Hills doesn't end up being the starter. Right. Jalen Acklin, Curly Gittens Jr., Devaris Daniels, and the Montreal defense. I got the Ticats defense. <laughs> we'll see. Any any of those offenses could implode. Uh, but I've got Vernon Adams, too. I've paired him up with Brian Burnham. Uh, my running backs are A.J. Olette and Wes Hills. But, yeah, you're right. Um, maybe he doesn't play this week and Don Jackson gets back in. And I took uh, Darvin Adams and Stephen Dunbar 
in my flex. Uh, this episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Look, it's starting to get cool at night, and uh, and I know fall technically only started today, but winter's coming. And energy usage for all Albertans will be increasing. So now's a great time for you to look at your utility bills and make sure you're on the best plan. Albertans have a choice of who they pay their utility bills to. And Park Power is happy to provide free, no obligation comparisons. If you decide to switch providers, it's easy. And you can feel good knowing that you're supporting a local business and helping give back to our communities with your utilities bills. You can learn more at parkpower.ca. Week 16, Joe, what is your pick looking like? Last week, I went a big old 0-3. I, I think most everybody, at least at the best, went 1-2, so I yeah. wouldn't feel too bad about that. Who are you picking this week? Uh, let's see. So this week, I've got Montreal, Toronto, and BC. I actually think I want to go completely opposite of you, Hamilton, Ottawa, and Calgary. But again, I I could see it I'm going. I'm not taking Ottawa at home until they win a home game. That's probably a pretty good it. strategy. <laughs> and, you know, last week. I'll lose once, but I'll win a bunch in a row before that happens. <laughs> I uh, I don't want to ever say that another game is a lock because I thought the Bombers were a complete lock over the Ticats last week. So any result or combination of results in Week 16, I I don't think I would be surprised by any of them. No, because there's because it's the two east. It's there's two Eastern games and then the yeah. Western game between two and three. Um, Really, Toronto and Ottawa is the only one you could say there's a real true favorite in, as far as I could tell anyway. Uh, So anything that happens this week is going to be – I would go, yep, I could see that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, uh, coming up on Monday, it will be a special episode of Two and Out. One of the newest members of the Canadian Football Hall of Fame – Paul McCallum will be on the show. I had a great chat with him. Uh, And look, a 23-year career, two Grey Cups, and his career got better as it went on. So I talked to him about all of those great points during his now Hall of Fame CFL career. Joe Pritchard in the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL podcast. Are, are you releasing every Wednesday? Is is that what you guys do? Uh, actually, we were we're starting to record Wednesdays now as okay. the, as the Thursday night games went right. away. We're we're shifted back in the week a little bit, so we record Wednesday for release Thursday. Actually, I'll be recording that in about oh an hour or so. So all right, I'll be nice and warmed up for it. <laughs> Wednesday's podcast day. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks for coming on the show this week. It was good to talk to you, and it's been good to talk to you a few times this season. Um, I guess I don't know. I'm I'm going to see you in Regina in November. That That's still the plan, yes. All right, all right. That's what I like to hear. You can rate, review, and subscribe to Two and Out on your favorite podcatcher. Leave a comment, subscribe, and hey, ring the bell on YouTube as well. I will talk to you on Monday with special guest Paul McCallum. 
Enjoy week 16 of the CFL season. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.